Well, I am Sam. Sam, I am. Uh, A pastor we used to have built this ginormous pulpit, Gerald Sweezy. Some of you guys remember him. He was a good carpenter. And I could hide behind there because you could shake and do whatever. But this is all you guys gave me. So I'll hide behind this little lectern. Uh, If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. It's on the um, bulletin that you guys have as well. Hebrews chapter 3. And we're going to be reading actually the entire, not the entire book, the entire chapter. I wouldn't mind reading the entire book with you. We have time for that. But we're in the book of Hebrews chapter 3. And uh, just to give you a a background about the book of Hebrews, it's written to a group of believers that are being persecuted from the Jewish traditionalists, saying that this Jesus guy, what's the point of believing in him? He cannot offer you the salvation. He cannot offer you life. He cannot offer what, what you need. Why not go back to the old ways, back to the old religious traditions? Um, there's comfort, there's structure. Um, and so these group, this group uh, is being persecuted heavily to fall away from, from Jesus. And so this entire book is an exhortation. You'll see that in chapter 3. It's an encouragement for them to say, keep striving, keep in the faith. Um, the word Hebrews actually comes from a, well, they don't really know this. Hebrews itself, if you're being called a Hebrew, it was never really uh, talked about internally to each other. They never called each other Hebrews, but it was an uh, external world. People talked to them and said, well, these are the Hebrews. And it comes from the Greek or the Hebrew word from Eber, uh, which was a ri- river um, that they think they crossed over. Abraham crossed over was either the Jordan or the Euphrates in which they crossed over crossed over the Eber, and so these are the Hebrews. Anyway, let's look at Hebrews chapter 3, but before we start, why don't you turn around and greet your brother and sister, and just say, good morning, how are you, and then we'll get on with it. All right, I'm done. No. I used to use that back in the day because, you know, it helps you get your jitters out. All right, guys, uh, talk to each other. Okay, follow along with me in Hebrews chapter 3. We'll take one deep breath together. I'm in the NIV. I was looking in my old brown Bible, and I realized I couldn't read the letters anymore. I'm 42, so I think... My eyes are getting bad. But anyway, I switched to this nice teal or aqua Bible, whatever. Okay, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you can put your name in there. Therefore, fellow imperial Bereans who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, 
bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house if we indeed hold firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. So, and here's our text. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You're going to see this three more times. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. We're not talking about Star Wars here, the rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold original, our original conviction firmly to the very end. And, it has been, and just as has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry? For 40 years, was it not with all who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And he goes on to say, if you are still in there, look at uh, chapter 4, verse 7. It says, God again said a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time after he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Um, That verse, that little saying gets a lot of attention here. In fact, it gets four times. Today, reminds me of that baseball player. Today, today, today. I consider myself, self. Have you ever heard of that guy? The, is it Luke Gehrig? He is saying this four times today. He says it in verse 8. He says, today, if you hear his voice. Then he says it again, today, if you hear his voice. Then he says it again, today, if you hear his voice. And then he says it in chapter 4, today, if you hear his voice. Uh, what do you think he's trying to say here? Tomorrow, if you hear his voice. Uh, yesterday, if you heard his voice, in 10 years, in 10 months, in two weeks, uh, the word is today. Say that with me. Today. Say it again. Today. Say these words. Today, if we. Today, if we hear his voice. Today, if we hear his voice, we will not harden our hearts. Well, that was easy. We're done. I mean, that's the whole point of my sermon. Do not harden your hearts. And you just said you wouldn't, so it's 1116. Let's go watch some football. (laughs) No, the word today is four times. Remember as a kid when your mom would say, clean your room. Well, when? You want me to do that tomorrow? Clean your room today. Today is the day. And he is saying to these people, if God is speaking at your heart today, 
Don't harden your hearts. Um, Caring for the heart, some of you guys have been through the caring through the heart counseling. The whole premise is caring for the heart. When we speak of the heart, we speak of the internal emotional person of where your life flows out of. And so he's checking in with your heart. And if I asked you today, this morning, as you're sitting there, how is your heart? If God said today, if you hear his voice, can you hear it? Or are you dull? Or is your heart hardened? But the premise is, there goes the prayer request, that today is the day that you hear his voice, and today is the day of salvation. There's been several times, and I've worked at camps, Camp Hydrahaji, Camp Maranatha, and we would have a time for the kids to come forward. We'd offer an altar call. You know, this pastor would come up there, and he'd preach fire and brimstone. These kids would be all excited, and he said, does somebody want to come up today? Put your faith in Christ today. And we thought, well, you know, we've got four more days, five more days, and then these kids will go. But it was always the same thing. Today, if you're feeling that conviction, today if God is speaking to you, today if there's something bubble up, uh, I had a teacher illustrate it like a Mountain Dew. Uh, open your 12-ounce thing of Mountain Dew, pour it in the glass, blah, 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 blah. you'd stick it on the, on the counter or whatever, and you'd see these little bubbles and these little bubbles, he said, is like the Holy Spirit. Things start bubbling to the surface. Bubble, 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 bubble. Ah, bubble, 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 bubble. Bubble, bubble, nah, I don't want to. The same way Hebrews chapter 3, it's like those Mountain Dew bubbles. They keep coming to the surface and we keep popping them down. And so he says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 6. Well, these prayer requests are going everywhere up here. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. So go left. Back in vacation Bible school, we used to have the sword drills, and some of you teachers remember that. And I was always sitting next to one of my buddies who could always pull out those. I think he had those little cheat sheets, you know, or the, little, or the index for cards for like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And so the teacher would always say, all right, whoever can get to Genesis chapter 2 or Exodus chapter 3, you get an ice cream cone. And I'd always look over at him. He'd have these little cheat sheets and he'd thumb through. Genesis, he'd stand up. Come on up here, Luke, you get a free ice cream cone. I was the guy who was thumbing through there trying to figure out where, where exactly is this at. Anyway, 2 Corinthians Chapter 6, verses 2, that same idea, we'll look at verse 1. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now or today is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This idea of today is not Uh, To be put off, uh, there's a guy who says Satan is the God of tomorrow. All these decisions we need to make, we always push off for tomorrow. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, should you possibly think about that tomorrow? Well, you know, maybe you should uh, change your ways. I'll do it tomorrow. You think you ought to uh, talk to somebody? Tomorrow. And I was thinking about that. The only person who I think has uh, a good thing about tomorrow is Orphan Andy. The sun will come up 
tomorrow, bet your bottom. She's the only one with tomorrow. But he says that Satan likes to use this idea of putting it off till tomorrow. So let's look again back in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. So he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Where your ancestors and tried me and tested me for 40 years, they saw what I did. If you remember exactly the group of Jewish people coming through the wilderness and what Pharaoh did and all the miraculous things that God displayed, he turned the Nile River into blood, gnats came from heaven, there was frogs, there was hail, the firstborn were de- um, died, and God did all these mir- mir- miraculous signs, and the people still, their heart still hardened. It's like, God, I know I've seen this, I saw what you did, I just still cannot trust you. I still cannot open my heart to believe that you're a good God. And for 40 years, he goes, you tested me. And over and over and over and over, he's testing, he's testing, he's testing, he's testing. Um, as I was studying the book of Hebrews, this, this book, uh, you know, I used to listen to the Daily Audio Bible. You guys got that Daily Audio app where you can hit play and it'll take you chapter by chapter. That's a lot different than you're actually studying the Word of God. As you study the Word of God, and especially as I was preparing for Hebrews chapter 3, it's like one of those children's pop-up books. Have you ever seen those things? You got the regular books, you know, the regular children's pages, but then you have this pop-up book. And every page, let's say it was Jack and Jill went up the hill. First page you open, pop, out comes Jack and Jill. You got this cart, there's Jack, he's like this, and then you got Jill following you open up the next page, and here's Jill falling down the hill, and here's Jack with his bucket. But the Word of God is like a pop-up book. It pop-ups and extracts what's in your heart, and sometimes you don't want to see it, so you want to close that pop-up book and say, oh, I didn't see this. Let's put that pop-up book back away on the shelf. In the same way, God's Word pops up things in our hearts, and He's saying over 40 years, this was a test. I'm bringing and extracting things from you guys, and these are popping up out of your hearts. Um, so he goes, for 40 years they tested me, and they saw what was in your heart. I can't imagine, uh, in my mind, I imagine this is like uh, a guy trying to date this girl who just doesn't want to be with him. And he rings on her doorbell, he's all dressed up, sprayed with cologne, got his hair combed. Baby, I love you. Did you just come on a date? Uh, I don't know. Here's flowers, honey. Eh, whatever. I'll take you to a nice uh, movie. I'll buy you nice clothes. I'll get you all the right things. And the girl's still like, yeah, forget it. There's other guys. I don't need you. Well, I wrote this nice uh, haiku poem for you. Do you want to hear it? Eh, whatever. I wrote you a song. Nah, don't need it. I, I imagine God's heart is continually reaching out to this group of people that are just stubborn and obstinate and do not want anything to do with God. But he says, um, he comes to this passage and he just says, I I don't know what to do with these people. These people are obstinate. Their heart is hard. And I thought about, well, what is a hard heart? Well, that's a good thing to think about in your own life. What is the characteristics of a hard heart? That's something you should think about in your own life. What, What is hardening my heart to my relationship with God? Is it bitterness? Is it anger? Is it lust? Is it 
some sort of grudge that you're holding against somebody? Is it jealousy? Is it unbelief? Is it the inability to even trust? What is it in your heart that you've built up to God? Because everybody always has something. And he's talking to Christians here, so there's always something that builds up. Well, there's some characteristics of a hard heart that I printed off. This is kind of those tests. A hardened heart does not obey God. Okay. You can hear God's voice, and it's like, eh, I'll do that tomorrow. A hardened heart does not change after some relief in tough tough circumstances. A person could go through the, the grinder. A person could have multiple problems, and God is trying to grind their heart down, and they still say, Ah, I still can do this. Like the Husker fans, we still can do this, right? A hardened heart does not recognize the finger of God. You ever look back in your life and just started keeping track of all the things that God has done in your life and said, huh, uh, my wife and I were just talking about this. Our hardened hearts for a while was not getting married. I got married at 40 and she was 41. And I kept saying, Lord, you know, most people in the Bible are waiting for that sign. Where's my Rachel or where's my Rebecca? Will she come out on a camel and water my dad's camels or something like that? And so we we waited and we waited and we waited and our hearts started getting harder and harder. And I know some of you singles are still waiting and waiting and waiting and you think, well, does God really care? Ah, He's not going to show up in time. I need to do things my own way. I need to figure this out or a career change. God... You're not moving quick enough or some sort of mental, you know, struggling with anxiety or depression. God, you're not alleviating it quick enough. This anxiety is not going away. My kids are not behaving unless you're Sam Kuhneman and you're perfect, you know. Not quite. Number four, a hardened heart might want something from God but, not, but does not hear God. Gimme, gimme, gimme. God, I want from you but I could care less about your heart. That's the story of the prodigal son. Uh, My inheritance, God, give it up. Come on, I know you're holding back, but I need it now. And it's kind of like you're always just looking at the hands. Just come on. What about looking up to his heart? So a hardened heart wants something from God. Five, a hardened heart expects the word of God to fail and does not recognize its faithfulness. That's a big one. A hardened heart expects the word of God to fail. It's like, hmm, God, you say all these promises, but ah, I don't know if I really can trust you. I'll just quickly, quickly run through these real quick. A hardened heart remains hardened, even under severe pain. A hardened heart might say the right words. A hardened heart does not recognize its chaos. A hardened heart blames the messenger instead of recognizing its condition. A hardened heart will be broken beyond healing. And some of these aspects are in all of us. You might say, well, you know, that's this guy, but it's not me. Or, shoot, a hardened heart is bitter. Well, that's definitely somebody else. That's, that's my spouse, not me. Or a hardened heart is anxious. That's not me. A hardened heart is this. That's not me. That's not me. That's not me. It's a push away. So a hardened heart cannot recognize itself as being hardened. And these are all specifically from um, Pharaoh's heart and what God did to Pharaoh's heart as he uh, brought them out of, the, um, out of the, uh, Egypt to the promised land.
Um, looking back at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 again. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart in the rebellion during the testing of the time in the wilderness. As you know, in the wilderness, there's two places where they rebelled. One of the places was called um, Meribah, and the other one was called Massa. This was where the bitter springs where they complained that they did, have, did not have water. And God called this Meribah, and the other word, which means rebellion, and the word Massa means trial. So if you have twins, ladies in the future, do not call your kid Meribah, and do not call him Massa, which means rebellion and trial. Bad words. But he's saying, these, these children, these children that I have are constantly rebelling, and I asked Dad if I could use this illustration, because God, for 40 years, I mean, I'm almost 40 years, he provided with him manna daily. He gave him doves daily. He gave them water. It says that the soles of their feet did not wear out, their sandals did not wear out, and their clothes did not wear out. He guided them then by a cloud at night and a pillar of fire, or pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. God was with them every single step of the way. He provided a leader, Moses. He provided the commandments. He did all of these things, and the and the kids still considered, "Hey, I still cannot trust you. I got this hardened heart." Um, and so I was thinking about it in my own personal life back when there was seven of us living under the home of Dennis and Zoe. So Seth, you know, and then there was the, me and then the, the five girls, and we were on family vacations. And of course, we didn't take a lot of family vacations, as you understand why. Uh, even if you take one kid, it's difficult. Can you imagine sev- shoving seven kids into a van and saying, all right, we're going to go somewhere? Um, we called it the Kuna Cruiser. In fact, there was two Kuna Cruisers. We had a Ford Econoline, one of the 90s special. It was gray. And my uncle, when we'd ever arrive in Lincoln, Nebraska, he would say, we kunamucked it. I said, well, what is kunamuck? Well, look what you guys did to it. There's gummy worms shoved in the seat. You got breadcrumbs everywhere, and it just smells like a kunaman. I was like, what what, was that? Kunamuck? (laughs) But he called it kunamuck. But anyway, on these vacations, by the way, we upgraded from that kunamuck, kuna cruiser to the red uh, van, and we had this nice conversion van. So if you can imagine, mom always had a nursing child in the front before the days of sticking them in these fancy um, ch- children's little seats. And of course, there was Seth in the captain's chair because he was the oldest. And then Crystal also sat in the captain's chair. And then there was us five or four in the back there just kind of crammed in. And the trial always came when it was about lunchtime. And I'm sure my parents absolutely hated that. They'd look at around 12.30. And we'd go through the drive through at McDonald's. And it's always McDonald's or Burger King because that was the simplest. And he would probably hear from the Rearview mirror, these bickering kids. When are we there yet? I'm hungry. I gotta go to the bathroom. So, hearing this, we thought, nah, let's just keep going. We go through the drive-through. So, the drive-through, we get around there. Well, what can I? You know, you'd hear that voice. Hello. What can I get you? Of course, you can never understand there. And my dad is trying to listen to seven kids. Imagine seven birds in this little nest, cheap, cheaping away. I want a hamburger. No ketchup. No onions. No this. Well, I want the chicken McNuggets. And he just said, you know what? Here's what you're going to get. <laughs> I'm going to order five hamburgers, two chicken McNuggets, and two large drinks with four straws in each of the large drinks, and, and be quiet. <laughs> and so, well, I guess we got something. But I think God is in that same position with these <laughs> Israelites. He's saying, oh my gosh, look, I've given you food. 
I've given you shelter, I'm taking you somewhere, and you still complain. By the way, to this day, I still do not like McDonald's hamburgers. It's that mustard and chopped onions, I just can't stand. But we hardened our hearts, because why? Well, I couldn't look up to my dad's eyes and say, well, what's dad's view? Well, I've got to get you kids to grandma's house. Well, where's grandma's house? What's three hours away? Well, we need something to eat. I know that. I'm trying to help you. And so this entire battle, you could use my dad as an example, is like God and Israel. This back and forth. Well, I don't want mayonnaise, and I don't want chopped onions, and I don't like the little plastic thing that came in my kid's milk. Chucking that out the, the window. And so you see this cosmic battle between the children of Israel continually harden their hearts and God himself. Now forever you'll think of the Kuna Cruiser and going through McDonald's, and you'll probably never do it. Um, looking back, uh, oops, sorry, verse 10, if you're following along, is that, it says, that is why I was angry with that generation. That is why Dad was angry with the Kunaman 7. He said, they're always going astray, and they have not known my ways. A sign of a hard heart. No idea what God's trying to do. So I declared on my oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers of Imperial Nebraska, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And this, I think, is the most important aspect of how do you keep your heart softened. And some of you guys are really good at this, and I appreciate this over the 42 years that I've been an Imperial Berean. It says, um, but encourage one another daily. Let me say that again. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. But encourage one another as long as it's called today. So what is the antidote to a hardened heart? You cannot go life alone like the Lone Ranger. Your heart needs other people. And some of you guys are natural encouragers. I was thinking about all the things over the 42 years of Imperial Bible and Imperial Brian out of the ways that I've been encouraged. Uh, there's some of you that have sent me birthday cards, even in college, and I thought, well, this is kind of cool. Happy birthday, Sam. I know you're 25, but here's a gift package. Huh, well, that's nice. The church sent me chocolate chip cookies, an encouraging note, and says we're thinking of you. Oh, well, this independent John Brown University student starts to get his heart a little softened. Or somebody just coming up to you and say, Sam, how's your heart? Can I pray for you? Oh, my heart's getting a little more softer. Or someone who takes the time to just study through Sunday school lessons and say, Sam, here's what the Word of God says. Oh, my heart's getting a little softer. Or someone that just says, you know, not picking on John, but John's a great example of their, hey there, Spammy, how you doing? Every time I see him, my, my face lights up and my heart softens. There are people that need encouragement, and those who need to be encouraged, um, keep your antennas out. If you, if you don't recognize them, just say hello to the person next to you. Maybe that's why we did that little meet and greet session, because sometimes that has the ability to soften your soul. So it says, today, or in verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And it says, we have come to share in Christ, and if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the, rent, to the end, as it has been said, today, if you hear his voice, 
Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. If you think about this from a Christian's perspective, according to Galatians 2.20, it says, we have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who, but Christ lives. And the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. There is something that happened at the cross where I don't have to convince you to become softened because the old man has been crucified, according to Galatians 2.20, on the cross. That spirit, that old spirit has been whack, 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 nailed up there. So there's a part of you that is already softened, that is already new, that already has the mind of Christ. It says you are the body of Christ, the holiness of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. You have all these things. So the intrinsic part of a believer already is soft. That spirit is already made new. Our struggle is our mind and emotions fail to understand what has happened inside of us. Um, as I was thinking about this, I think about the example in second grade of my teacher, Mrs. Cox. How many of you guys have been to the Cox's Pumpkin Patch? Got yourself a little pumpkin. Mrs. Cox was one of my favorite teachers because she was so creative and yet she was stern and disciplined. And every time you go then in there, it would be like going to a new holiday, Thanksgiving. Everything was in Thanksgiving apparel, and then you'd have Christmas and all these wonderful things. Well, one of the things that she brought one day in the corner was a little incubator. And in this incubator, she had a couple of chicken eggs. And the chicken eggs, she said, well, these things have been fertilized, and you can tell by shining the little flashlight on the egg. And you see that little blood spot, and you see that little embryo. Some of you guys who've raised chickens understand this. You can see the little embryo. Well, how can you do that, Mrs. Cox? Well, you just shine that little light and you can see inside there. Well, when's the thing going to hatch? Well, it's going to take a little while. So we'd come to our seats and sit down. And all the kids would be looking in the back, looking at those little eggs, seeing if they'd maybe jolt a little or move a little. Well, how does a little embryo just move? But day five would go by and we'd still, ever the kids would come back there and look. Day 10 or day 20, I'm not sure how long it takes a chicken to finally get out of its egg, but... Finally, the day was approaching where you could see the chicken was starting to make some progress and the egg was starting to crack. And the kids were getting excited and all our classmates were thinking, what's today the day? Is the chicken going to break, it break itself out and just start flying? And she's like, no, no, no. We've we got to wait. So then another couple days go by and you'd see more cracks starting to come and the shell would start to more fall apart. And we said, Mrs. Cox, can we just take this thing and just pull it apart? And she said, well, if you do that, you know what you're going to do? What? We're going to kill the little baby chick because the chick needs to develop its muscles and its strength to be able to get out. And that process of pushing and breaking helps strengthen him to live. And so finally the day came when these little chicks popped their little heads out and we thought, oh, look at these little things. Of course, they were pretty ugly, all covered in slime, but we still thought they were cute. And I think God gives us this illustration of saying, inside of you has been made new, has been made holy, has been made righteous, has been made everything that Christ has seated with him. And day by day, it's this getting rid of this hardness, calloused thinking and hardened, calloused uh, feeling so that we represent the image of God. Um, and so as you look at Hebrews chapter 3, I want you to say, well, Sam's telling to tell me these things to soften the inner spirit. Well, the inner spirit of you has already been changed. It's our mind and our emotions. In the, um, I'm taking counseling classes now from Crown College, and 
Part of the process of change, we are currently in a class for substance and um, alcohol addictions, and they said uh, part of the change here is not going to happen overnight. And so you might say, well, I want to change my heart immediately. And there was a counselor, and many people put in a lot of energy to say, well, how does a person honestly actually change? Specifically, they're talking about like addictions, either smoking or drinking or drugs or whatever. And they said, well, there's a stage, there's five stages, and they call it the, um, the trans-theoretical model. So there's five stages of change. So in the Christian life, sometimes we think, well, we just want to change now, and we want to be changed by, you know, three days. Well, the first stage they call it is the pre-contemplation stage. So in your Christian life, you may not even know, yeah, I have a problem. Well, I, I don't think I have a hardened heart. I, I don't feel that or perceive that, or it doesn't look like I'm Maybe my wife would tell me that, of course, but I don't feel like there's anything wrong with me. So the pre-contemplation, you're unaware. just have no idea that this is happening. Well, then you go to stage two is the contemplation. Well, finally, external forces start to say, you know what, buddy? I think you've got a problem. I think uh, this is kind of a behavior issue that you need to change. There's a hardness factor in your life that uh, maybe just give it some thought. So you walk away from that and you kind of contemplate, "Eh, maybe I do need to change this aspect of my life. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. So there's the pre-contemplation. I have no idea this is happening. There's the contemplation. Eh, Maybe you're on to something. And then there's the stage preparation. Okay, I've been told enough by enough people. There's something in my heart that is not right. Uh, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Even the Word of God is saying there's, there's, ah, I just, there's something wrong. So that's the preparation stage. I'm getting ready to make a change. And as a counselor, you're always trying to help these people make the leap of faith of, well, we've got to jump over this cliff. Am I going to do it? Or am I going to do it? Not, or am I not going to do it? Then there's the action stage, stage four, where the person finally says, you know what? This bitterness, I need to go talk to so-and-so. I, ugh, I've been so ticked off at you. I don't know how to say this, but I just need to talk to you. Or the jealousy stage. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm jealous of you. Da, 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 da. Or I'm angry at you. Or there's something I just have harbored in my heart against you. The action stage. I'm going to do that. And then the last stage is the maintenance stage. Okay, now that I've done that, how do I keep my heart soft? How do I maintain this softness of heart where I can not only hear God... But my, my heart and my spirit also is receptive to hearing him every day. That's, that's called the maintenance stage. So if you need counseling, by the way, my fees are $20 an hour. I take visa, cash. <laughs> so as we conclude today, and it's 1144, so you're getting out a little bit early, a couple things you need to recognize is the hardening of the heart, if you're saved Think of it this way, you are like that little baby chick. There's something inside of you that's already been changed. The spirit man is new. He's been made righteous. He's been made whole. He's as holy as he will ever get. It's the mind and the emotions that continually harden ourselves and separate us from God. If you're not saved and you say, wait a minute, I don't know if my heart has ever made that change. There is some hardness in my heart that continually resists the call of God I feel like my independent spirit can do it. I don't need him. I'm fine on my own. Then you need to ask yourself, well, today, 
Are you hearing His voice? Today, is there something that just doesn't quite set right in my spirit? Today, ah, I read this verse, but mm, let's just close that pop-up book. Ah, I, don't, I don't want to hear it. Today, 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 and God keeps working on you. Today, the beauty for believers is He's constantly always doing that with us. Today, today, today. So, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Well, I thank you for the time that you've given me today. Um, I'm obviously not Reverend Matt Maxwell, and he's probably watching me right now on a plane on Facebook Live or something like that, but let me lead you guys out with prayer. Father, today is the day of salvation And today is the day we hear your voice. It's not tomorrow. It's not yesterday. It's not in 10 months. It's not in 10 years. But God, the today is now. And we thank you that uh, even as we walk astray, God, that you continually turn us back to you, that you're always working on behalf of us as a family. God, give us the strength and courage to encourage one another to soften each other's heart. I just thank you, God, for the men and women of this church who have been so gracious and wonderful to me and my family, God, and their prayers and uh, just that aspect of softening us. So, God, just may they be blessed and may they be encouraged today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.